Welcome to the City Hill podcast. We really hope you enjoy today's message. And if you'd like to find out more about City Hill, please visit our website, cityhill.london. Today is week two of our series, Consciousness. And I'm conscious of how we're going to approach this because I guess the thought that summarizes today, a friend of mine, a guy called Nick Brewer, uh, he's, re- he's one of my favorite rappers. He's really, really cool, really nice guy. Yeah, 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 it's him. So um, he did uh, two projects like way back when, which I don't think you can even find online anymore. And they were called Alone My Thoughts and Alone My Thoughts 2. Um, yeah, wow, what a whiz, you know? It comes out for a sequel project. What do we do? Call it the first one and add a two on the end. I mean, wow. The, t- the talent is off the chart on creativity. But it's a really good project. If you can find them online, it's really great. But we're going to be talking about being alone with our thoughts. So the discussion today, the idea, the concept, the thing we're wrestling with is we're transitioning from where we were last week, which is like human consciousness, um, evolutionary science does, and theory does not explain in the eyes of the public. 44% don't believe it explains human consciousness, which isn't a surprise because actually it should be much higher than that because science actually can't explain human consciousness. So really it's 100% of people because no one can prove human consciousness. It's physically, it's scientifically impossible in this present day. So we transition from that and then looking at the Bible narrative, which does explain human consciousness because we're made in the image of our creator and straight away he's kind of processing and explaining these things before there's anyone really to talk to in terms of human beings. So this week we shift to what happens when your conscience is against you? What happens when your conscience is against you? That is the overarching question to what we're going to be talking about, what we're going to be exploring, because actually that is a reality for all of us and it's quite a scary one. So the first thing I want to talk about is plus and I want to talk about minus, adding, subtracting. Yeah, we're going with maths for now. So God speaks to Adam in Genesis 2. And what he says to Adam is that you may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. For in that day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. The next thing we see is God talking about, it's not good for man to be alone. Eve is made. And there's no recollection of God saying this same commandment to Eve. There's nothing in the, in the, in the narrative, in the story. But then what happens is this serpent comes and he starts asking Eve about what God said. So Eve responds with this understanding of what God says, but she adds to it. She says it differently. She says not just like you can't just eat it. She mentions to touch it. You can't touch it you don't just eat it but you also touch it and the rabbis they, they they dig this portion of scripture for a number of reasons the first thing that they say about it is that adam fulfills his responsibility before god because he recites what god says eve adds to what god says and i love what the rabbis say here because I'm, I'm telling you if they man it, like you could just i just picture like a rabbi dropping a mixtape and it's being purified. I don't know, something like Dizzy, Dizzy Rabbi. Like, let's just let's put it out there, Dizzy Rabbi. And Dizzy Rabbi has this bar, which is just so, so hard. I mean, I was, I, when, I, when I read this, I was like, oh, bars for days, this, this is fire. He said, when you add to God's word, you subtract from it. I was like, that is a mic drop and a half. Someone drop that mic and break it and never use it again, because that is ridiculous off the chain good. When you add to God's word, 
you subtract from it. Why does that really matter? Here's the thing. You see, you and I go about our lives knowing what God says, but then we add to it and take it where we want to go with it. And then what happens is we go, well, how come God, my life feels like subtraction right about now? How come I feel dead on the inside? But it's because you thought you were adding something to your life, but actually you were subtracting from your life. And you're caught in this kind of like lie, this kind of situation. And the reason this resonated with me so much is because there's been so many times, I mean, too many times, like I couldn't count. If I'd spent my life with a clicker, clicking all the times, I was adding and taking my life in directions into places it should never have gone, but because I wanted to add to God's word. I was like, okay, well, he says that about relationships. He says that about um, integrity. He says that about truth. He says that about this. He says that about that. Well, I'm just going to take it to this place. I'm going to take it to that place. And then I'll be going to God. Oh, yeah, God, well, how come I go to church and my life sucks right now? No, 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 no. And my problem was... I didn't know what the rabbis were saying. My problem was I've been adding to my life so many times, but actually I'd spent my whole life subtracting from my life. And that's what we all do. And so the question that matters this morning before we even get into the good stuff is what is it that you and I are adding? It matters because it's subtracting from our lives every single day. Every single day. That's not a question I can answer for anyone else but myself because that takes reflection. This isn't something you can just hear and your life changes. You've got to start asking the question, what is it I've been adding into my life that's subtracting from my life right now because it's something that God never really had from me. So what happens with Eve is this transition takes place where you see when she added to God's word, what happened was he had said, if you eat it, you would surely die. She said, if you touch it or eat it, But then, because of the conversation she's having, this doubt kicks in, but there comes this moment when she touches it. And when she touches it, there's no repercussions and there's no death that comes in, so she ends up eating it. You see, sometimes when we add these things, it leads us to a place that we never thought we'd go. What what, what hits me about this story as well is, I mean, it's such an amazing picture of what sin is for every human being because what happens is you think you're eating it, but it's eating you. So Eve eats this fruit and she thinks she's eating it but it's not it's eating you and then the next thing we see is she saw they saw their nakedness and oh my gosh this bit more than any other bit we can all relate to because there's that moment in your life when even no one else knows no one else knows there's just you alone in a garden and this happens and all of a sudden you realize you're naked And this is something everyone can relate to. There's that moment where you do something and you make an absolute horrific decision. No one else on the planet knows about it. No one's come up to you to say anything about it. No one's guilt tripping you about it. You're just standing there alone with your thoughts and you realize this overwhelming sense of vulnerability and nakedness. This complete awareness of yourself and this self-consciousness. And then you meet other people and it is just ticking over and it's mulling and no one knows about it. No one else around you knows about it, but you know about it. And there's this moment where they're in this garden and she added to God's word, which ended up subtracting everything from her life. And God has a question when he comes. He says, Adam, where are you? 
And when God asks this question, he's not saying, Adam, hey dude, my GPS, not working right now, have no idea where you are. You are hands down the greatest hide and seek champion of all time. Let's give it up for Adam, come on. Like that's not what he's saying. When he says, Adam, where are you? God is saying, where, where is Adam? Because the Adam he knew is dead. He may still be walking around, but he's a bit like the walking dead. He's like a zombie, he's like a corpse. He's not the same person. So when God gets into the garden, he says, Adam, where are you? It's not because he's confused about the location and the positioning. He's saying, Adam, where are you? Because the Adam that he knew, loved, and had created no longer existed. And as the conversation goes and as the explanations start to come out and of what happened, there's this, there's this moment where God asks a very significant question. He says, who told you you were naked? Who told you you were naked? That hit me because I started to think about the different times in my life where I have made horrendous mistakes, horrendous sins, and terrible decisions. And at each one of those times, I didn't need anyone to tell me. I was just standing there, overwhelmed by the vulnerability and the position I put myself in. And also, I can relate to what Adam says because the Andy that even I knew and loved was never coming back. I killed that guy. I killed that guy with my decisions and my choices. And that's what happens to all of us. So when God says to him, who told you you were naked? I guess for us, it's who told you, and you can insert your guilt there. You can insert your conviction there that you hold in your life presently or past. How are you aware of this? How are we aware of this? Why is our our conscience kind of saying that? Um, But the, the problem is, where do you go? Where do you go when your conscience condemns you? That's the whole point of this talk today. So we're talking about conscience, we're talking about ourselves. And, and um, it's, a, it's a scary thing. I guess today we talk a lot about mental health. And having worked most of my life with um, vulnerable young people, um, I've, I've met some young people with mental health issues. And today they say they're skyrocketing, skyrocketing, skyrocketing and rotting. They are rotting um, mentally and emotionally and, and physically and spiritually. And I meet so many young people in so many different categories. And I've, most of my time I've spent working in kind of a church perspective. And the other time, short, much shorter period of my life in kind of like a secular um, area. And you know what is crazy? I think I've recommended quite a large number or a few number, or for the period of time I was there, a large number of young people to camps to get mental health service, get access to the NHS for mental health issues. I don't think a single child I've ever sent to camps has actually shown a single piece of improvement, ever, ever. I'm not saying that camps don't do a good job, and I'm not saying that other young people that I've seen that have worked with other professionals haven't benefited. I have seen some that have. But where you go when your conscience is your problem, that is a, that is a scary thing, that is a scary conversation. And when we look through this passage, we can learn some really powerful lessons today. Where do you go when your own conscience condemns you? So what happens with Adam and Eve is that they go, and I put a few leaves around on some tables earlier. Some of you may watch me doing that and thinking, what a weirdo. So on the table, there's these leaves. There's a green one, there's a yellow one, there's a brown one. And what happens with Adam and Eve is they they go through this horrific moment, this overwhelming awareness of their vulnerability and their nakedness, and they try and fix it. So what happens is they go grab some fig leaves, stitching them all together, and they're covering themselves. As you can see, this is not really a sustainable 
approach because if you look at the leaves on the table, you've got green leaves, you've got yellow leaves, you've got brown leaves. And what happens with these leaves is they're detached from their life source and they actually share the same fate that is happening to Adam and Eve right in this story. Death is entering into their world. And these leaves, what they're gonna do is they're gonna fade away. And when they get to brown, some of these here, this one's still a bit moist, but some of the ones outside, they just crumble into absolute nothingness. And actually, we can identify with, and what I was sharing with young people with mental health issues, is that actually often what we do is we, we go to these, these, these scenarios and we try and, and cover things up for ourselves. We try our best efforts to try and resolve things. And actually what we find is over a period of time as we do more and more of this, um, it all just crumbles around us and, and things don't get better. And I know I realize what I'm saying today as I'm saying this, it probably sounds a bit dark and a bit gloomy, but actually what we're reading about in this narrative is a people that are unlike you and I, that have nothing wrong with their conscience, that had nothing wrong with them up until this moment. So for them to experience this was far more horrific than anything you and I experience when we feel guilt and when we feel conviction about who we are. And so we kind, of, we kind of have all this, but actually we've got a bigger thing in the mix in our society and one of the many reasons, because there are many reasons why I believe um, mental health issues are skyrocketing among young people is because what happens is something happens in their life that causes them this trauma and causes them this messed up and some of those key things, I'm not talking about abuse that young people receive, but some of their own life choices because we've got more and more highly successful kids that are also killing themselves now. It's not just about um, kids that have grown up with, with a lack. There are kids who are high, highly successful going to university and, and killing themselves at university when they've got this huge, bright future ahead of themselves. And what happens in, is that we, we go through these scenarios, there's something in our conscience that's telling us this is not right, this isn't right, this isn't right. And then when we talk to someone about the scenarios and the things that happen out in our life, Everyone around us in our worldview is affirming that these things are absolutely okay, these things are absolutely normal, and that's absolutely fine, and you just keep going with that, and you keep going with that, and what happens is you just end up with more and more of these leaves trying to dress up this issue, and they just keep crumbling, and they keep withering away, but everyone's telling you, no, it's fine, it's absolutely okay, there's nothing wrong with this, you don't need to work this out, you don't need to be any different from this, just keep going with that, just keep going with that. And so we see around us in our society today this huge, huge skyrocket. And what happens in this scenario, which, which is, is, is an awkward one, because actually if we were talking about church and if we were talking about God, we wouldn't expect a God to be this person. We'd have expected him to come to the garden knowing everything that's gone on and just gone, oh, well, let me just give Adam some time and some space because obviously the shock and the trauma of this whole situation, you know, I'm just going to just give him this time, give him the space, you know, just, 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 you know, oh, there, there, Adam. He doesn't, he comes out and he calls out the most painful traumatic thing that Adam has ever experienced. And he's saying, Adam, where are you? And he's working through this process with him. And then what God does is God doesn't sugarcoat it to Adam and go, don't worry, let's sing, things will only get better because they can. You've, you've hit rock bottom. There's a guy coming out thousands of years from now, Adam, that's gonna say, started at the bottom, now we're here. It's all gonna be okay. Don't worry, just chill, just chill. He doesn't, he comes out and says, well, here's, here's the curse, here's, here's, here's what happens now. Here's what the world's gonna look like for men. Here's what the world's gonna look like for women. And here's all this stuff going down. And then he leaves this glimmer of hope saying the snake pretty much has bit your heel today. But one day, man is gonna come from you. He's gonna, he's gonna crush his skull. And then the next thing that happens is so similar to the leaves because they fade away and they were dressing themselves up in, with these issues or with this, they're dressing their issues up with these fig leaves that fade away and die and crumble. And what happens is God then clothes them in these skins. 
it's a crazy, crazy story. God clothes them in the skin of these animals. And the reason that is such a powerful, powerful imagery is because for the first time, they're really going to see what's coming for them. They're really going to see death. As this animal that was entrusted for their care is now what clothes their shame. And so they find their shame clothed in the loss of an animal they loved and they've been taken care of and they've been nurturing because they were in charge of the garden. And the realization of the poo has hit the fan is now so unbelievably real for them. I guess for me, when I look at this whole this whole package of events, this whole sequence of what goes on, that what leads us here, first of all, we, we add to God's word, but we don't add anything, we really subtract from it. Then we find ourselves in a position where now all the boundaries have moved all over the place and now we're not only touching, which there's nothing wrong with the touching, but we thought there was because we were confused, ends up leading to tasting. And then that which you thought you were eating is now eating you up on the inside. And then at the end of it all, we try of our best interest to try and cover it up for ourselves. But the thing is with Adam and Eve is they hid in the bushes. So they didn't just cover themselves up with these fig leaves, they hid, they were away, they were hiding from their situation. I feel so often one of the biggest problems we have is we hide. One of the greatest things about God is he calls us out. He calls us out. He walks into the call of the Eve, into the garden of our lives, and he says to me by name, Andy, where are you? And this morning, insert your name there. Because I believe for every single one of us, God is calling us by name as we are, saying, where are you? Because the you that he loves may not be present right now, may not be checked in, may not be here. We may be covering ourselves up with our own works, our own actions, like the leaves on the table, which I just want to let you know, you can do your best. It will fade away. It will crumble. Some of us maybe are hiding in complete denial that, Actually, you know what, whatever, this is okay. And I'm cool with adding this and I'm cool with this and I don't care about that. And if it is subtracting to my life, from my life, who cares? Whatevs. But I feel this morning, the thing that God really impressed on my heart today was that actually I felt that God was calling me out from hiding. I felt that God was calling me to stop just patching over things in my strength. But I felt he was calling me and I felt he was calling you. I felt he was calling us to come to the source. And I felt he was asking the question, where are you? And so you and I, we all come from different places. We all come from different weeks. We've all come from different experiences. We all come from different lives. We all come from different moments and different things that that hold us back, that drag us back. The question I believe God asked today, and this is the question for for those of us who maybe find ourselves trapped with our consciousness, which doesn't say the most flattering stuff about us. I believe the question that liberates you is where God asks, where are you? Because it's, it's, like, it's like taking one of those tests, like a, a character assessment test or one of those ones that kind of tells you self-help, whatever. When God asks that question, where are you? That's the first step he takes towards it. And then what he does in this story is he clothes them in the skin of this animal. He covers it up. But he gives a promise that one would come and that he would crush the serpent's skull. And the great news that is, today is that we're not left in limbo like Adam because Jesus came and the good news is that when he died, he died on the cross intentionally. It didn't happen to him, he happened to it. And he died on the cross and he rose again. And what the New Testament writers took from this is they connected with this story and we're no longer clothed in in our own actions trying to make it right, which just doesn't work. 
we're no longer clothed in, in, in the skin of an animal or anything like that. We're now clothed in Christ and in his righteousness. But the only way that takes place is through the same process that happens in this narrative. And it's where God, the divine, comes and speaks to our consciousness and calls us forward and calls us out from where we are that he can clothe us, that he can liberate us, that he can make things right. So what we're going to do today is I'm not going to talk anymore. We're going to stop. We're going to have a moment. And we're going to pray um, as we are, where we are, as individuals, for ourselves. But then also we might actually have a moment where we can pray for one another. Um, but before we get to praying for one another, because you know what? It's good to be a part of something wider than just yourself in isolation. Because alone my thoughts isn't a healthy place. And God doesn't just call us out for our own situation. I'm not saying anyone has to share anything with anyone about their lives. I'm not saying you have to tell someone. Maybe God tells you to, and you need to, because it will liberate you. You go for that. But I'm not telling people to do that. That's something that you decide. That's something I decide for myself, for yourself. But just have a moment. I just want you to close your eyes. I'm just going to pray for us and then I want you to talk to God about where you're at and what's going on because he's asking you a specific question today which is where are you that's it that's all he's asking and it's from there that he wants to use that question to liberate you and to liberate me Father God I thank you for your faithfulness I thank you for this story so many people call this kind of irrelevant and distant but actually at the place we are at as a society there's nothing more relevant than this story we are so tortured by our images of ourselves, whether that be of, of, of body image, whether that be of our personality, whether that be of our talents. We're always looking out at the achievements of others, not seeing too much good about ourselves. And then when we do think about ourselves, all we're reminded of is the most guilty and darkest parts of ourselves that are just constantly held up in front of our minds. But actually, where do we go when, when we feel that our own conscience is against us? We come to you because you liberate. And although it's an awkward conversation where you call us out, but your word says when we confess our sins to you, you are faithful to forgive, faithful and just to forgive. But I thank you, Father, you don't just forgive, but you, you close us, clothe us in Christ Jesus. I thank you in the prodigal son, you run out to meet us, you fling your arms around us, you love us. And I thank you that you make us a son and not a slave and not a servant. That we are not um, people who do something for you, but we are joint heirs and partakers and workers with you which is different from any other system on this earth. I thank you, Lord, that Jesus ascended to sit at your right-hand side because you said you would send a helper, that Holy Spirit would come. You would send a helper. And you see, the whole thing with Eve was that we wouldn't be alone, but actually even with Eve, we are alone. And even for Eve, with Adam, man and woman, we are alone. But the beautiful thing is, Lord, the Spirit of God you sent to come and live within and to cleanse us from the inside out. I pray and invite you right now, Holy Spirit, would you come? Would you meet with those who want to meet with you? Would you liberate us from the parts of our consciousness that accuses and holds us down? Because you have said there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. I just pray by the power of your Spirit be real to us and you will clothe us in your righteousness. In Jesus' name, amen. hope you enjoyed today's message and if you'd like to find out more about City Hill please visit our website cityhill.com
London. <laughs> <laughs>